0: So it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the Saudi Soccer Show, the global head of sports, entertainment and culture for Essence MediaCom, my good friend, Misha Sher. Misha, welcome to the Saudi Soccer Show. Nick,
1: good to be with
0: you. Good to be okay, with so you. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back 15 years. And you made an appearance on this show called Fox Football Phoning mm-hmm. with myself and, and my uh, my co host And you lobbed this thing out there. You said there's going to be a Super League. And we all went, Misha, what are you talking about? You're out of your mind. Well, 12 years later, there was an attempt at a Super League. I'm wondering, is this the new incarnation of the Super League? What is going on with the Saudi Pro League?
1: Uh, well, you're right. I did say that about 15 years. I think it was 15, maybe even more. I think it might have been 2007, 2008, but it was around that time. But what I what I saw, like what what I could foresee happening at that time is that there were a lot of people, particularly from the U.S. at that point in time, that we didn't have the investment from the Middle East yet, um, saw football, global football, as an opportunity, uh, as a really under-, under under-leveraged asset. Let's just call it that in 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 a in a in a business sense. Um, I saw a lot of people get involved who didn't particularly have football background or a particular interest in the game, but per, you know perhaps have done well in business. So what it said to me at the time is that you know these people um, and there will be more of them are looking at something that they could potentially grow. Um, see where. <clears throat> where there's not there's a sport or a competition um, that uh, has you know is nowhere near reaching its commercial potential, and they're going to get involved, and there are enough of these guys at the table, then that we might see all sorts of things. I mean, you mentioned Super League. I talked about it at the time also the the possibility of getting rid of you know. I mean, I think they're connected. The promotion and relegation. I mean, that is the Super League, right? I said. I said. You'll get you'll get thirteen of these guys in the Premier League. Who's to say they're not going to do away with relegation? I mean, they're coming from an environment where it's a monopoly. They don't understand the this environment of risk, right? All of a sudden, you can drop down like Leeds and not come back for fifteen years. So that's not a good that's not a good business environment. Now, fast forward fifteen years, we're in you know, we're in in this environment now where Saudi are signing players left, right and center, some big players, some big money. Um, Is this a, a super league? Um, I don't know. I don't know, but I do think that I think what will, what will eventually happen again over, over the coming years is that this is going to go beyond the Saudi pro league because they're not just investing in something they can watch themselves. They want to be able to play against Real Madrid and Barcelona and Manchester United and all the big clubs around the world. It's only a matter of time. don't know when. I don't know if it's two years, five years, ten years. But I can assure you that these guys are not just building a competition for their own audience.
0: Well, we saw probably six, seven years ago, the Chinese Super League made a big play. And they opened the wallets. They threw the cash once again, signing big-name players, and it failed spectacularly. Do you think there's a chance that it, the same thing could happen to the Saudi Pro League, or is there just too much will, too much geopolitical uh, at stake in, in this particular play? Uh, good question. No, I don't think there's anything... Uh, I don't think we have
1: anything to worry about with the with the Saudi Pro League. I mean, this is... You know, with China... You had you had a, an individual who um, you know had a head of the party who decided that he wanted football to be you know to be a focal point of what they're doing it wasn't part of a a broader I don't think it was part of a broader um, vision of what China wanted to do on a global stage it's a very different story Um when it comes to Saudi, if you think about what they're doing outside of football, they're bringing some of the biggest sporting events, whether that's boxing, or football, or Formula One, um, athletics. They are, you know, they want they want to become a hub for global sport, and they want to rival their regional um, uh, rivals, you know, Dubai and Abu Dhabi and Qatar now. Um, and let's not forget this is you know this is a um you know this is a government that uh, wants to become more accepted this is a country that wants to wants to be uh seen as um you know as sort of up with the times so let's just you know let's just let's just say that um, it's a very young population we're talking about you know 30 million people it's not a huge population but 70 percent, i think somewhere around 70 percent, are under 30 so this is a this is a very young population these these uh young people are really into their sport and i think mbs understands that he knows that it's as much about um his own preservation um as it is about sort of building something that is that uh meets the expectations of of the you know, a large proportion of their population, which is to be entertained. That's why they're bringing some of the biggest sporting music events, uh, biggest acts, uh, rest, you know, restaurants, and all these other chains to, you know, to to the kingdom. They're building things that you can't, you know, we can't even fathom there. So I don't think it's a, you know, I don't think it's a flash in the pan kind of thing. And we'll, we'll, we'll see this for years to come.
0: Now you mentioned MBS and obviously he's, Certainly got some influence with PIF, the public investment fund. So that brings me to the league itself. Obviously, there's four teams that are just very well funded. Does that does that change the integrity of the league, or do you think that it's now it's now an 18 team league? Does, is is it like any team has a chance to win it, or, or, or are we looking at? And you mentioned the word monopoly, a monopoly between four or five clubs. Yeah, look, I think look,
1: looking at the recruitment so far, it's difficult to see how any of these other teams outside of the ones that are recruiting all the players have any chance of, of, of winning. It's just not, uh, you know, you might get an odd result here and there, but over the course of the season, you're not going to be able to compete against those teams. So I'm not really sure what the, what the longer term strategy is, in terms of in terms of recruitment. But if you want look you live you know you live in the states, you you know how it works with sports there, you know why sports succeeds. It's because there is, you know, there is that jeopardy, right? Um it doesn't quite work. Historically it's not the same in other countries because of you know, the way that football, for example, developed in this country. But in the US you could see why the different sports work so well because from one year to the next, any team can win. From one week to the next, most uh, any team. It's very difficult to build that sort of dynasty, and what that means is that keeps people interested, keeps networks interested, keeps sponsors. There's that level of you need to have jeopardy in sport to win. You know, to um, you know, to build a product that people want to consume. So, and I think that uh, you know they're on that journey. They're going to get things wrong along the way, but I can you know, but I can assure you that. They're in this for the long haul, and they'll get it right.
0: Let's talk about money. The money that these players and these clubs are offering other clubs. I mean, the the latest is Mo Salah. And Liverpool have said, we are not going to sell. The Saudi transfer window closes, I believe, on Thursday. When they are offering in the region of $200 million, how hard how hard is it for Liverpool to say no to that?
1: Well, very hard considering the player we're talking about is thirty one. Right? I mean it's uh he's a he's a great, you know, he's a great player. Um let's let's, you know, make no mistake about it. He's and he's been great for Liverpool. But you know, I I you could you could argue that his best years are not in front of him. They're probably behind him. You know, we'd be, we'd be lucky if we see him maintain the level that he's been at for the last couple of years. So if someone's offering you that kind of money, that's an opportunity to rebuild. Now, I think one of the reasons why they didn't let him go now is because it's come so late in the window that it just would have been impossible for them to do a deal um and 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 replace him without you know without um really dis- disrupting dis- disrupting their own season so it just didn't suit them but do i think that you know this is going to be back on the cards in january yeah i think it will um i think also it's important to know that a lot of the numbers and i know people on the ground a lot of the numbers that are being mentioned in terms of salaries and to the transfer is just not true Right, so a lot of this, you know, I don't know where where people get them, and they start, and they and it just gets picked up and repeated. And I'm not saying the numbers aren't big, but they're not in many instances. Uh, you get these memes, oh, "Neymar's coming," and he's getting paid X amount per minute per day. Those things are often not true. Uh, but having said that, yes, they're getting they are getting offers that they're not going to get anywhere else, particularly at the point of the, in their careers where they are. Right, so some of these guys are in their, you know, in their late 20s or early 30s or mid 30s. That, you know, it seems like you, you can't really blame them for wanting to, you know, for wanting to do that. You can't blame Jordan Henderson having won the Premier League and Champions League, having had a great career to want to do a couple of years in, you know, in Saudi if the money is what it is. They could both do that ourselves.
0: If we, if we ranked, kind of last question here, if we ranked... the the top five leagues in the world would we say the Premiership is number one yes La Liga number two yeah but Bundesliga number three yeah Serie A number four yeah yeah what's number five (sighs) uh good
1: question I don't know. I think we probably have a few that are um, well. I, I think um, you, a league Guy is probably still number five for the moment. For the moment, but I think in not too distant future, you're going to have potentially MLS the way it's the way it's going, the players it's attracting. I think it's, again, it's just a matter of time before um, before MLS is in, in that you know in that conversation and who's to say it won't be it won't be the saudi league at the end of the day people want to watch the best players and if they can attract the best players which they will because you know we can you might have you might have a player a uh, juan mata or someone like that who says i'm not going to go there and i'll go to japan but that's an exception rather than the rule i think most players um there's no loyalty in this game the, the, the The sort of money they're being offered at the end of the day it's a career and it's a short career for many you can get injured and so on so i think they will continue to attract top players and then you have when you have enough of them and hopefully they will get spread out across the league so you actually have a good league people will turn into that um now it's for the moment they're not in any international competition so it's just a domestic league So, I think the next, you know, the next step for them will be playing in sort of club world cups and, and trying to get, they're already selling their television rights here. They're probably selling television rights in the US. Um, You know, the, the priority will be to elevate the profile of of the league and their teams. I mean, you and I will be sitting here in two, three years time and maybe we're not going to be talking about number five. We might be talking about number three or four.
0: So, who knows? You are visionary Misha. There's no there's no two ways about it. You, you you see football, you see football in the present, but you also see football in the future. Uh you did predict a super league. Now that super league though you kind of predicted would be you know European. How many years away is this world super league? Because it's it's coming. I mean there's no two ways about it. The world is getting smaller, the 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 distances remain the same but the 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 travel is getting quicker how many years before we have the world super league I would say between
1: five and seven years it's not it's not going to happen in in, in in the in the short term I don't think um but I think it will happen I think it was just you know, as you as you say, there are lots of things that are that are at play here. Um, A lot of the sort of traditions that we've come to in this country or in some other countries we come to like and expect. I think those things evolve with time. Technology has a lot to do with that. You know, when you talk about, you know, when you actually think about the underlying call, underlying reasoning for the Super League, right? Put sort of some of them. It's a financial. Some of the financial motivations aside, one of the one of the main uh, drivers behind this was the fact that a lot of these teams, you know, in Spain and Italy, um, you know, realize Juventus, they realize that, you know, they can only really uh, speak to a tiny proportion of their fans, you know, in the in the in the construct that they're in now, but they want but they realize that the world is, you know, the world is small right or is getting smaller and their ability to tap into a lot of these different markets by changing the construct of what they're doing now is significant the upside is big now the way they went about it was completely was was wrong um and they didn't manage that well but i think i think they'll come back and i think they'll come back in a different way um and they'll think they'll think through how to get all the different stakeholders on board but yeah, it's probably it's probably inevitable, especially when you have the you know when you have the Saudi league and you know doing what they're doing. These guys are again, they're not going to invest that kind of money to be playing to their own audiences. You know, they're going to want to play in Madrid. They're going to want to play in London. So, um, and you know, you and I both know that the American owners would be all about that. So, um, yeah, let's see. Let's see if I'm <laughs> see if I'm right about that. Misha Share, if people want to get a hold of you, where's the best place they can look you up? They can find me on, uh, probably on Instagram. I've I've taken myself off Twitter. It wasn't healthy. So Misha underscore Share 7 is the best place to find me. You can find me on, yeah, that's probably the best place.
0: Misha, thank you so much. And thank you from the the Saudi Soccer Show. We'll speak to you later.
1: Good to be with you. Thanks, Nick.